श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवत की जाए श्री कृष्ण जन्माष्टमी महोत्सव की जाए गौ भक्तवृंद की जाए गौ प्रेम आनंदे गुड मॉर्निंग So continuing our discussion of the Brahma Vimohan Leela and we've entered into the second of the two chapters that constitute a narrative of the Leela the third chapter in this uh section called Brahma Vimohan is uh constitutes the prayers of of Brahma who had been bewildered in the previous two chapters and is reflecting back on the significance of of that it's a very insightful chapter we won't get to that but we may touch on some verses of it by reference to it in the context of discussing the narrative itself <clears throat> and so what's happened here of late is that at the conclusion of the previous chapter the emperor hearing from the boy sugadev posed a question the uh, sugadev was narrating this leela of krishna and his friends in uh, uh steeped in, in in what we call sakyarasa this these chapters are um a window of uh, entry if you will um of uh, into the spiritual world in the spirit of what we call samandarupa bhakti it's a kind of uh, particular expression of raganuga bhakti raganuga anuga means to follow and raga means it means like passion or like with attachment uh, just like we are naturally attached and attracted as i said the other day to the to the uh, between the sexes there's a natural attraction Mm. So to be drawn like that to to God it's a very extraordinary idea if you think about it um so uh is there any such existence of of, of such a measure of intensity of of love of God and in our lineage this is what it's all about we say indeed there is and we point to this Vrindavan Leela of Krishna the pastoral Leela of Krishna and examine the close intimate associates of Krishna who we find love him such that they are referred to as ragatmikas who who have this kind of natural passion for god it's natural it's inborn in them it's it's uh it's their very nature of their being hmm? and so they become the paradigmatic uh personalities representing different types of sentiments all of which constitute one form or another of love in 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 intimacy just like if you would have a small circle of friends and family some we're just going to have a small get together of friends and family something like that that's what this is um and so krishna leela this 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 particular feature of krishna leela that that's what it it, it constitutes so friends and family and um and the friends and family we call sambandha 
that means samanda means relationship. They love him based on the relationship as his friend, as his parents, as his servants uh, in the household of Nanda Maharaj, his father, and so forth. And then there are those who love him romantically. Their love is called Kamanuga or, or Kamatmika hmm? um, or Kamarupa. Kama means desire. It's, it implies, in this instance, uh, a romantic love and a kind of romantic love that is not in the context of the social setting of, of the Leela, one that is an appropriate relationship. In other words, the gopis, milkmaidens, are rendezvousing with Krishna in the middle of the night. And uh, and uh, in, in one sense, uh, this these types of love are cited, again, as I said the other day, to give us some kind of foothold in what that's all about. In other words, the intensity of love for a young uh, girl, for a young boy, let's say, that nothing can get in the way of, even if it um, doesn't make any sense to the elders and they can see that it's going to be problematic and so forth, and they try to intervene and so forth, it will only cause it to rage that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of intensity of affection is is spoken of to give us some kind of idea of the intensity of love of God that these leelas are speaking about. It's not a an advocacy of adultery or something like that because it's, it's exciting and uh, <laughs> and breaking the laws and and and, and so forth. Um, but uh, the the intensity of it is 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 what is important and. Uh, and to give us some semblance of an understanding, what 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 these leelas are at the bottom line, what underlies them, because in their description of them on on the surface, uh, you wouldn't necessarily pick that up. So there's a lot of philosophy, if you will, that underlies the the canvas on which the art of these leelas are drawn. And that's why that these leelas are being discussed here in the tenth canto, after nine cantos of philosophy and theology and so forth, that they might be properly understood because it's almost like off the, the religious, uh, spiritual, scriptural uh, map, so to speak. Generally, we think of God and uh, the love of God would be different in every way from uh, love within this world. We say it is in one sense, but, there's, but still there's a similarity uh, uh, in that there are the possibilities of love not only in reverence and awe, which has some distance between our cause, creates some distance between ourselves and the object of love, but uh, there's also possibility of love and intimacy. And so to explain that love and intimacy, we refer to the very forms of, of intimate love that we find in a s- small circle of friends and family, so to speak. Hmm? And so this interaction between the Atma and the Paramatma, between the, 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 the soul that is the spark of the fire of, of Bhagawan, that is a kind of a coalescing of, of, of union and separation and uh, reciprocal dealings and so forth, a kind of dynamic union that love constitutes where you and I become, as I often say, 
we. We don't abolish one another in the pursuit of unity, but we we grow into something more. Hmm. Um, so the mystics have described this in the poetry and in, the, in the, these uh, storylines that appear very mythical, and in one sense they are mythical, but in a broader sense, as we discussed the other day, they are um, um, much more true than the fantasy that... Um, life that we discussed last night of those who think that consciousness is just some peripheral kind of momentary outgrowth of uh, some some form of matter that that doesn't really matter something like that which makes as i said last night all the discussions in the very life led by such people to be a, a huge uh, fantasy and and, and human any meaning is just a, just a human fancy, and uh, there's no real meaning to such a life if we are just automatons, machines, nothing other than computers, for example, a sophisticated type of computer in which some feelings come and sense of identity comes. Hmm. That I'm a I'm a MacBook. You know, I'm a PC, something like that, <laughs> and, and uh, so forth. So that that's not going to happen um, now that Steve Jobs has you know passed away. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, so no, we don't think like that, and we think there is meaning. Ultimately, there is meaning, and in that the consciousness is a unit of meaning and value, and it gives value to matter and uh, and so forth. And it is a unit of matter because uh, it's a part and parcel of the supreme consciousness, the reservoir of consciousness, and so forth. So, so in pursuit of that which is really meaningful itself, it can find its prospect as well in relation to its source, and have this kind of loving rapport and relationship, and those who have talked about this idea of love and intimacy from um, and tried to translate their love into, into, into reason, the language of reason. The guru has to speak, the sadhu has to speak the language of love, and he has to be able to, she has to be able to translate it into the language of reason so that we can somehow get some sense of what it's about and then try to, to go there. That's how we should use our reason to understand its value, the ideal, and then use reason how to pursue it. Hmm? Um, so there's a good place for reason, hmm. and and there and there's a place where reason leaves off because the, when the when it's fully pursued, then reason isn't required anymore. When you know how to re- reason how to do it, and you do it, you do it successfully, then you don't have to think anymore. You don't have to reason anymore, and love really does know no reason. So this is an advocacy of a kind of absorption in the absolute that retires knowing, hmm? as valuable as knowledge might be, hmm? as it's thought, as it's said in many universities, and it's carved in there in a stone. Knowledge will set you free. You know, So, so some, some truth to that, but free to do what? <laughs> So love is, is, is the idea is, is the end of reasoning, beyond the, the fullest uh, um, expression of, 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 of knowing, comprehensive knowing. As I often say, if you love someone, then they'll reveal all their secrets. So all knowing will come. Hmm? 
And all that knowing then that, that love is constituted of, prem is a Sanskrit word we use here for this, um, it's essential knowing hmm? only that fully satisfies the self, not just pockets or bags or files of knowing that uh, you carry around with you. No, essential knowing. It's all, in other words, all translated into action hmm? that fully satisfies Bhagwan and thus fully satisfies oneself. So the way it's being talked about in these leelas is very, very powerful because it's coming from persons who have a deep experience of this kind of love and then they're trying to express it in, in, in language, with reason, and they've used poetic device and so forth to do that. But the, they're very, it's a very empowered type of narrative that, that if we could be unburdened by our need for things to make perfect sense in terms of the physical reality... We're preoccupied with the physical reality, so when we hear about some of these leelas, they don't fit with the physical reality, and we think they're untrue. Hmm? But how true is the physical reality, (laughs) and how much do we understand it, for that matter? Um, uh, And these are not intended to explain to us as much of, so much about the nature of the material or physical objective world as they are to try to bring us in the direction of subjective world and the possibilities that lie there. Hmm? And, um, and as much as they're able to do so, they're really true in the, in the, in the, in the, because they bring us to the truth that we are not matter, we're consciousness, and we have a great prospect um, that opens up to us there, thereby. I've given the example last night, uh, consciousness and matter, that's the difference between land and water. So they're very, very different. You were drowning in the water, now you've come to the shore. What are your prospects? And it's, it's variegated, that shore, also. Hmm? So, so, a, so, so you have to listen to the, uh, the narrative, the leela, with this kind of thing in, in, in mind. Hmm? And what's being talked about here, the way it's being explained in words and in language, is what you can enter into and experience, in a sense... It is that, I want to say, and more. It's just, this is a limited way of speaking about it. Hmm? As much as it doesn't really lend itself entirely to language and, and thought. Hmm? So, it's here anyway, as I say, this is a window hmm? that of entrance, a doorway of entrance into Krishna Leela and the prem, the love that, that it, it's, it's constituted of in the form of an entrance in the form of what we call samandarupa. Samandarupa is the type of love like friendly love, like parental love, like uh, love in, um, in, um, in servitude. Hmm? The romantic love of the gopis is not being described directly in these leelas. There are some slight references that can be can be drawn by those who have that kind of love. <laughs> they can draw it from everywhere, but that's just the nature of such absorption. But for the most part, this is about samandarupa and samandarupa. Then there's the following of the samanda type of love: friendly love, parental love, servile love. This is all samanda. Hmm? Um, the following of that is called samandanuga. Hmm? So, 
to follow anuga, to follow in that way. Um, uh, and the, 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 the lila is, is, is referred to as the Brahma Vimohan lila because Brahma becomes bewildered by this lila and uh, he becomes bewildered really in a couple of ways. The famous way in which it's thought that he becomes bewildered is by the display of Krishna's majesty and godliness that he shows suddenly, appearing just as an ordinary uh, cowherd and village person. Suddenly he shows this extreme uh, uh, godliness, like in the Gita when Krishna just shows in the 11th chapter, Arjuna, that everything's inside of me. And Arjuna is, is floored by that. Um, so Krishna does that here, and Brahma is floored by that. But there's another kind of way, another way in which he is his his mind is just boggled, um, and that's perhaps more important. It's, it's it's usually not talked about as much, but it's it it is by the very nature of the love between Krishna and his friends. His mind is blown by that. Brahma has a certain type of experience of the Godhead, and that we'll, it'll, we'll go into that as, as it comes, and how it contrasts with what he's seeing here, hmm? which is his prospect. And he, he's, he's, he's just overwhelmed. His four heads, if you will, are, are just spinning and spinning and spinning. Hmm? So where we are in this is that, Sukhade, that Krishna was playing with his friends in the forest as, 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 in, in calves. They were herding calves. They were quite young. They hadn't become cow herders yet. They were calf herders. And so they're in the forest herding calves, and, and they decided to have a picnic lunch. Hmm? So they rose early. They went into the forest. And um, in the midst of their play, hmm, then this play is orchestrated by a particular uh, shakti of Krishna. Just like our movements in this world are orchestrated by what we call the maya shakti, consisting of the gunas, sattva-guna, rajaguna, tamaguna, uh, clarity, uh, uh, passion uh, for drive, for, yeah, yeah, uh, for, for more, and to, to be more, to do more, to, and, and inertia, hmm. ignorance, Thomas, so sattva, rajas, Thomas. These are described in the Gita as kind of the the the, the 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 modes by which this maya shakti material nature operates and and having been turned on by consciousness then influences consciousness both physically and uh, psychically we are constituted of a combination of these um, these modes of, of of nature and so the material nature the maya shakti as we think of it is is orchestrating, creating scenes and, and, so, and so on and so forth. And we're implicated in the play of, of Maya, if you will. So on the other side, hmm, um, beyond the material nature, beyond the natural world, beyond the, those, inf- those influences, freed from that, the liberated persons in Prem, in Leela, their movements and the play there is all being orchestrated by Krishna's Sarup Shakti, so this shakti is what bhakti is constituted of, and certain certain particular manifestations of that direct and orchestrate the leela, like like in a drama, someone's going to change the the curtain's going to close, the scenes are going to be changed, and 
the curtain will be opened again, scene two. Hmm? So this Yogamaya and Lila Shakti, hmm? constituted of Krishna's internal Swarup Shakti, that Bhakti is constituted of, is orchestrating and changing the scenes and so forth, and following Krishna's, Krishna like a shadow. Hmm? This Lila Shakti, Yogamaya is following Krishna just like a shadow. We're celebrating the birth of Krishna, the appearance of Krishna, uh, what, tomorrow, right? And he had, he, as we'll hear, he had a sister also. Hmm? Came, uh, like, like twins. It's a secret story within the, within the larger, more well-known story. But at any rate, she, this is this yoga maya. She, so she follows him like a shadow in Leela. And as she, an, like a good disciple, anticipates what the guru wants, without him having to be told, anticipates. He's ahead. He knows, he follows the lecture, he knows, oh, he, now he'll quote this verse. Now he'll cite that verse. Hmm? Now he, he's so paid, paid so, so, he's so attentive. Hmm? So this yoga maya, Leela Shakti, like this, so attentive, that just, just as Krishna, the seed of, of, of God's desire in play, Manifest. She creates the scene and makes it makes it uh, brings the together what's what's necessary for that. Hmm? Uh, we heard Prichit Maharaj. Uh, I've used an example to explain that Lila Shakti, the guru and the disciple Prichit Maharaj, just previous in the last class, he asked questions of Sukadev, who was giving the narrative, and the questions were so like was like oh that was a great question, and Sukadev passed out. The guru passed out at the question, and it gave rise for him to answer it and tell this, this chapter and all the mysteries of it and so forth. Hmm? So, yoga maya like that, like a like really good disciple of Krishna. <laughs> so whatever he wants, she's arranging. So there they were, absorbed in their play, Krishna and his sakas, his friends. And, and this described absolutely like, like ordinary... Ch- boys playing in the forest, something like that, and frolicking and having fun and so forth. But, of course, the whole of this text of the Bhagavatam is a walking, if you will, on a a tightrope where 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 you're you're, there's you're on the rope it's Aishvarya, you fall off it's Madhurya, something like that. So it's, it's kind of like moving between the idea, Krishna is God and knows everything, is omniscient, and is forgetful of his, om, of his, of his knowing everything by the power of, of prema, of love, of his devotees that f- affords the intimacy. So it's, it's, it's another example would be like in a drama, if an actor really perfects his or her role, they, they may start to actually feel like and think I am... The, the role that I'm playing, there might even be symptoms that come in them that uh, that you're in, that you got to give him an Academy Award. You know, uh, he, he actually you know got the disease of the person that he was, you know, <laughs> something like that. So um, that kind of um, absorption. So Krishna, as I said, he's omniscient; he knows everything. And there's a problem with omniscience. The problem with omniscience is that it, it's boring. What can you do if you know everything? If you know everything at all, what ha- will happen at all times? And, and then what, 
What's the fun of doing anything? There's a, there's a mystery to what will happen next. If you know everything, I mean everything. So to solve the problem of omniscience, which is thought to be the pinnacle of knowing, Krishna transcends all knowing into a further and more comprehensive knowing that is playing. So if you're bored, you play. So that is Leela. So the omniscient God plays, and he plays really well. So he loses sight of his omniscience and gets fully absorbed in the play, and this is then the opportunity for us to associate intimately with him. Hmm? This is the idea. Hmm? Uh, so, and this is all by the, the power of bhakti, which is uh, what, what, what's causing um, really facilitating Krishna to express desires and, and have reciprocal dealings and, and, and intimacy, intimacy and so forth. So, so there is, the description of Sukadeva is, is given of these cowherds and how they're playing just like ordinary boys with Krishna. And Krishna appears just like an ordinary boy, but but he's not. He is and he's not. And so this is going back and forth between his omniscience and his, his, his kind of the loss of his omniscience where it recedes to the background and... He is fully the friend of Sridham, Subal, and Ram, and, and his different associates. And, uh, and so this, it really comes out in these chapters. That he's back and forth, back and forth. So Sukadev is describing this. And, um, and they're playing very um, uh, freely, so much absorbed in their play that, that the picnic lunch that they were about to have has to be eaten before it spoils. Hmm? And so this Leela Shakti, who's like, as I said, like Krishna's shadow we're anticipating, causes this Aga Sura to come into the pit, makes room for that. There are other reasons for Aga Sura to come in. Aga Sura is the, is the bad guy in the, in the, in the, in the Leela, one of the emissaries of, of the King Kamsa. This is, takes us back, of course, to the birth of Krishna that we'll be discussing. Uh, at his at his uh, his mother's uh, mother to be his mother's mother to be's wedding, then there was an oracle that came from the sky that that his mother mother's eighth child would be the cause of her brother's death. That brother was Kamsa, and so of course he tried to kill his his sister right there in the wedding procession. He was that. <laughs> That bad is the idea, but somehow or other he was, by the good character of his uh, brother-in-law to be, he was convinced that that um, he could forego the killing because the brother-in-law said, "I'll bring you each of the sons. Don't worry. Then you don't have to worry. You can do what you want with them. Just don't kill your your, your sister right now." So, um, and it's a good point because Vasudeva, the the the, the, the husband of Devaki, reasoned with with Kamsa gave a lot of philosophy as to why this wasn't a very good idea to kill your sister on her wedding day um, and so forth. But he couldn't listen to reason and philosophy. When Vasudev said, look, let's leave it at this. I'll give you my word. I'll bring each of the children hmm, that she, that she um, bears. Hmm. Then the character of Vyas- Vasudev was such that even the demon Kamsa thought, well, this guy will never tell a lie. 
So on the strength of his character, he agreed not to kill. So we should have such character hmm, as devotees because example, as they say, speaks louder than precept. Hmm? So if we, it, we, we should really, our task is to embody what we um, understand from the teaching, to put that in place, and that will change the world. Hmm? Those types of uh, examples. So, at any rate, Kamsa, it's a long story, but, uh, but, but Vasudev lied. <laughs> That's a good thing, too, for a transcendental purpose. So, uh, for, the, for the highest truth, he, he broke his, his material word, so to speak, and, and uh, that's another discussion, very interesting. But at any rate, uh, and Krishna was taken to, to Vrindavan and hidden in the forest and so forth, so Kamsa found out about it in due course, and he started sending all these henchmen, one after another, to try to kill, find Krishna and kill him because he thought that's the son of Devaki, that will, he will be my cause of my demise and so forth. So... He sent several of them now, and they've all been defeated by Krishna effortlessly. Hmm? And they all represent huge uh, 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 kind of attempts to do away with God, you know, uh, well thought out, some better than others, and so forth. And Agasur's was pretty well thought out, and the reason be- was because he was the brother of Putana. Hmm? And Putana had been slain by Krishna in his infancy. And um, because he was an, an infant, just like an infant will will just kind of love any adult almost, you know, like, you know, so uh, he doesn't have that kind of discrimination yet. You know, he, oh, there's an, another one, you know, they're, they're nice, they, 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 you know, they do nice things for, they hold you, they pat you on the back, they feed you. So uh, <laughs> the implication is in infancy, this Putana came disguised as a devotee, hmm? and uh, but she had the desire to kill him. But so anyway, he, like a mother, she 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 disguised herself, mother Vaishnavi, and uh, so anyway, Krishna, she put poison. The story is on her breasts, and then offered him the milk as like a like a babysitter. She came as a babysitter, uh, and uh, so Krishna took the milk and took her life air out at the same time, and she couldn't. Uh, and slay him, and then she got a kind of liberation in Vatsalya Rasa. She got she got liberated as a as a as a as a maid, a nursemaid of Krishna, in Golok. So it's Agasura. He he came forward to to kill Krishna, thinking inspired by by Kamsa, who said he killed your sister too. So. Agasur was thinking, that's wrong. Even the demons have, you know, a sense of right and, and and wrong. So, with a sense of seeking justice, my sister has been been killed. He he went at, meditating on his sister, went after Krishna. Of course, his sister had become a liberated devotee now, so he was meditating on a liberated devotee. So he got some insight. He got the insight that what that hmm that Krishna. And Krishna's devotees, they're one and the same. Those devotees embody love of Krishna, and Krishna's the object of love. And so you can't have one without the other, like you can't have a teacher without a student. There's no meaning to I'm a teacher if you don't have any students. Hmm? So 
this is a, this is a very a, an important point of our philosophy that love of Krishna in some way is one with Krishna. It corresponds with the object that we call Krishna. That love of Krishna is 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 prem bhakti. Hmm? So he thought, in a kind of a perverted way, but the insight came as a result of meditating on his sister, as I say, who is now a liberated devotee, that if I take Krishna's devotees, then I'll kill Krishna. So he opposed as a big uh, python that, you know, swallows things whole. Hmm? Big. Eight miles long he was. Mouth up and touch up into the sky. And the boys saw this and then they thought, eh, looks like a serpent. Maybe it's a cave, but it could be a serpent, but Maybe he's there to swallow us, but let's go in anyway. Hmm? And certainly Krishna will protect us, so we don't have to worry about that. tata. This is also Leela speaks about this central hub of Sharanagati, that Krishna will protect, well, Krishna will protect me. Hmm? I don't have to worry. Uh, so they entered in, of course, and um, and then Krishna followed, and Agasur was slain, and and so the story has been told by Parikshit Maharaj. And then he said, and so then the boys went home, and, and it wasn't until one year later that the story was told. So Parikshit Maharaj said, well, how could you have you know, experienced this extraordinary event as a, as a youth and go home and not talk about it? Hmm? Why for one year it was not talked about? This was his, his question. And Sukadev was had just about said enough. He was like in a trance after re- relating the Leela and Prichit Marge's question caused him to pass out. Hmm? So oh, you, you were such a so attentive. You're, 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 you're going to draw more out of me. What, what, what this, where this leela goes from here? So, Sukadev comes to the fore, to external consciousness, and starts praising his disciple hmm, for the, his attentiveness and the nature of his inquiries and so forth, and and. Uh, and how the disciple is 50% of the equation of what happens in events like this where something comes down and we feel compelled and inspired and and, 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 and so forth. It's not just one person talking. There's two, there's two parts to it. So he's glorified um, uh, the Raj, the king, the emperor. Hmm? And then now he's going to begin, to, he's going to continue the, uh, the narrative Hmm? So, um, he says, what? Hmm? Sukadev speaks, O king, he says. These are confidential topics. They're difficult to understand, but your earnestness is such that I'm bound to explain them to you. Your eagerness requires this. So, he says, Tathagha vadanam rityo Rakshitva vastapalakan sarit pulinam aniya bhagavan idam abravit. He says then, continuing the narrative, after saving the boys and the calves from the mouth of Agasura, who was death personified, Krishna, who is Bhagwan, hmm, brought them to the banks of the river, Jamuna, the river, and spoke to them as follows. He said, Oho tiramyam pulinam bayasya swakeli sampan medulachchap balukam sputat saro ritali 
पत्रिका ध्वानि प्रतिद्वाना लसद जुमाकुलम This is a very poetic verse and um it's a verse where uh in which Krishna describes the 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 area he's he kind of uh surveys the the the, the scene in pursuit of a suitable place to sit and have their lunch they had packed their lunch it was hanging from the trees and Yogamaya called this Agasura to stop them from playing as a distraction so that they'd get down they would take their lunch I said before it went uh we spoiled in the summer heat and so forth so um I guess I say there are other reasons for Agasura coming I explain those but the internal reason is Yogamaya is who creates the scene for Krishna understood it's time for lunch we have to we have to now arrange for the lunch scene so bring in this demon as a distraction from the playing they'll stop playing for a moment and then the demon will be killed and the lunch will be taken so now where you will take the lunch so krishna surveys the scene and you're in the forest and you got to find a suitable place to sit and and so thinking ahead he looks and he describes he says oh my dear friends vyasya just see um this pulinam the river bank here sakeli sampan it is um it's got everything that's required for for our for our fun here that's every all the necessary ingredients are here um he says that um there's a sandy bank of the river in in the river the lotuses are blooming um the, the, the it's kind of a pool in the river so it's very very peaceful hmm? um and uh birds are chirping and so forth it's in it it's a it's a suitable place for us to sit and have our lunch here mm-hmm. and so some things to be drawn from this uh one on a lower uh well on, on relevant to ourselves of course is the idea that there is some scope for in considerable scope for finding a suitable and favorable place for our practice chaitanya mahaprabhu's teaching has a strong emphasis on humility tolerance hmm? these are the part of the de- the decorum of his devotees which is fourfold humility tolerance not expecting honor for oneself giving honor to others Trinada pisuni cena torora pisa hishnuna amanina monadena tiyatniya sadahari he said when our uh sadaka lives our practitioner lives are really really decorated by these qualities we're in a position to 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 chant krishna nam with real attent- attentively hmm? and 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 draw start to draw from it really the positive uh value that attentiveness will come about as we let go of our attachments and so forth that constitute a kind of pride actually hmm? because when i look at things of the objective world as if they're mine to do with as i like as i see myself as above the natural world as the controller and uh i become an exploiter of it its only purpose is for me and me means my mentally conceived sense of self which is illusory and so forth 
So we are somewhat an, of, of an, an exploiter. Therefore, the great Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, my Param Guru, the guru of my guru, he used to say that humility is the absence of the enjoying spirit, the spirit to exploit things and uh, for my material uh, purposes. Hmm? Humility, the absence of the enjoying spirit. So if we understand it like that, we can understand or get some idea as to how humility that's being talked about as one of the fourfold constituents that make up the decorum of a of a um, uh, serious devotee, um, uh, when that is in place to the extent that it is, one can take advantage of Krishna Nam and Krishna Mantra uh, uh, by way of attentiveness. Hmm? You understand what I mean? Because that humility, again, constitutes a letting go of attachments that are our very distractions. There are the very things that we think are more important that, 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 that circle around in, 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 in the mind and so forth that don't allow us to sit peacefully like the lake that's being described here. The beautiful, this is a beautiful pond. It's just pristine and peaceful. Let's sit overlooking the peaceful water, which is Jiva Goswami has, to, has rendered this verse a, a little bit in spirit, one, but a little bit differently. And he, he's compared the, what the Krishna, he finds Krishna saying, this lake here within the Jamuna is like the quiet mind of a yogi. Hmm? Completely chitta vritti nirodha. Hmm? All the waves of the vrittis from identification with the external, the objective world are all gone. It's all peaceful, quiet, still, something like that. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, so how our mind can arrive at such is by way of withdrawing the senses, pratyahar, withdrawing our attention from worldliness, the sense objects, and so on and so forth. And so in the bhakti school, this humility before Bhagwan and all that it constitutes, this is... This is very effective in bringing this about because it, as it is put in place and cultured and so forth, then the the tendency to see things as objects of my enjoyment and exploit the world is is is, is diminished. My sense of that they are of mine. Our I is defined by our sense of my. I think this is my country, my house, my place, and I have an I that goes along with that. That's a false I. So it's, this humility is very much part of dismantling that. And so it gives us scope to be attentive then to the mantra. And so it is with tolerance is also recommended. With regard to tolerance, then the devotees are said, to, well, they're said to be supposed to be humble like the blade of grass. When you step on the grass, it just bends over. Tolerant like the tree. There are many trees here and they just stand there. They tolerate the wind, they tolerate the sun, they tolerate the cold and the rain, and they even give shelter to us from the sun and from the rain and from the cold to some extent also. They never complain. Even if we cut one down, it never it never complains. It gives us shade to do so. So that's a strong measure of tolerance. 
So this is mandated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that we should be tolerant. Hinduism as a religion tends to be tolerant and inclusive. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, is super inclusive <laughs> because after all we're positing Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam and, if we, and we talk about it philosophically in such a way that it can very well be argued that all of the conceptions of divinity fit within that and within Krishna there's something more as well. Hmm? Just like the heartbeat is really what the whole body's about, so to speak, even more important than the brain. Hmm? You're still alive if the brain's dead, but the heart is beating, something like that. Hmm? Uh, so Krishna represents the heartbeat of the absolute. So a strong uh, advocacy of tolerance is there, but now how will we understand that? Hmm? Here, my point is that something else that is important is also being advocated. Find a suitable place for your practice. Just like we create an environment here. It's a very, as you can see, it's a very suitable place for practice. You come here, it's easy to chant your, 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 your japa and so forth. There's kirtan going on in between things and and uh, discussions and so on and so forth. The atmosphere is very peaceful. Hmm? You can't see any other lights out there than the lights that are turned on in the morning to get ready to go to the Mongol Arctic and, uh, and, and so forth. So it's a very favorable environment. And we're implored to find a favorable environment for our practice. So these two things have to be put together. Tolerance in a favorable environment. In other words, find a favorable environment for your practice and then tolerate whatever comes within that. Don't just tolerate anything, hmm? any situation. There's scope for getting up and saying, this is intolerable. Hmm? This is not suitable for my bhajan. I'm living in a house with several other guys and they're all like full of, what's that hormone? Testosterone. Testosterone. For example, and it's really an agitated place, and, and now I'm thinking of spiritual life, and this is not a favorable environment. I'm not going to just sit here and tolerate it and chant. This is not favorable for the chanting. It's too distracting. I, I can, there's scope for me to find a more, top, more favorable situation, and in the context of that, I'll have to tolerate. I'll go and live at Audaria with, with, with Swami, and I'll have to tolerate him, you know, with some of his humanness and his idiosyncrasies and so forth that are everywhere here, um, but that will not be so bad. <laughs> uh, so, or I'll have to tolerate other devotees, probably just to say, this is, your, this is your austerity. You have to tolerate one another when we would complain to him about this guy, you know, you're, uh, yeah, he's like this, and uh, yeah, you have to tolerate that. So, to some extent, we are advised, what? Uh, that we should keep the company of swajatiya, snigdasya, swajatiya, right? people who are like-minded to us and who are affectionately disposed towards us. This will be good for us. That will be the circle of devotees in general. And then within that, there will be circles within circles within circles hmm? with regard to our dispositions and ultimately with regard to our, our bhava, the, the, the ecstasy that, that, that arises. You will want to keep within certain circles. Hmm? the Madhurya circle, the Sakya circle, they overlap, of course. They're very compatible to one another. But the Vatsalya circle, for example. So, uh, so the scope, the point is here for finding a favorable place and then tolerating within that. So 
makes sense. We hear stories sometimes of great saints in very intolerable situations staying there, but you're not a great saint, so you have to <laughs> first become a great saint, and that will involve, to some extent, uh, often, finding a favorable environment. So Krishna has, has spoken to that here to an extent by way of describing here is a suitable place for us to have our lunch. Hmm? And it's a very beautiful setting, as it's described. I mentioned that Jiva Goswami had uh, rendered the verses a little bit differently, the spirit of them in his own composition in another book that this uh, Leela narrative is found, a book called Gopal Champu. There he describes that Krishna is speaking with a play on words when he describes the lake hmm, and the and the the, 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 the the peacefulness of the lake, like a yogin's mind, hmm? and then the the uh, Madhusudan of the bees, Madhusudan means you know, who 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 goes from flower to flower to get the honey, something like that. So it's another name for Krishna, also. Hmm? So he said the bees are coming, and and it means that in the lake, hmm, which is beautiful and peaceful and so forth, it has kind of a an effulgence, uh, the yogic kind of effulgence that makes it peaceful. And and it's the positive, that I like to say, of zero in relation to negative numbers. Zero has a glow hmm? and something positive in relation to the negative numbers of karmic implications hmm? that are troublesome. Hmm? If we could remove those, come to zero, that would be a positive zero. Many philosophers stop there. So he says the lake is beautified uh, and, and peaceful and, and, and glowing um, in, in, in the sunshine uh, like a yogi's mind and something more is added to it by the, by the bees coming and, and, and tasting the lotuses in the pond. Uh, and, uh, and so that bee modest, means Vishnu. So it means that, that, that he's speaking about bhakti. Hmm? That if the if in the yogin's mind Krishna could this bhakti shakti will come, then there will be bhakti vritti. That's a good thing. If you want, don't want vrittis of this world waves in the mind, hmm? but you want the tidal wave of bhakti in the mind, that is also turbulent, but that's pe- that's beautiful. Something like that. It's like you, you know you don't want to be in the middle of the ocean on a you know, on a on a raft in a in a, in a in a in a storm, but it's cool to surf, you know, on big waves or something like that. So uh, I've heard. I'm not good at it. But some of my friends here are quite quite good at that. Uh, so uh, so something like that. He's uh, advocating, um, pointing to the idea of bhakti. That this, of course, is a, is a, an example of this sakurasa. And then he goes on to say, I think we should take our lunch here, since we are already hungry and the time is very late. Um, here the calves can drink the water at the same time, and there are nice grasses for them to eat. So we're, you know, we're, we're, they're all youths, and they're learning how to take care of cows, and they've got the, the, the opportunity to take care of the calves, so they're very protective. They want to do their job right, you know, so they can become successful in their dharma as, as cow herders. So there's, there's, there's water for them to drink. There's nice grasses. We can just peacefully take our lunch. We don't have to worry about them, that they'll wander off and so forth. So everyone agrees with Krishna. And they sit, and the cows drink the water. 
The boys take a bath, then they go and they make plates out of bark and out of leaves and all kind of things and from the forest and um, begin a festive uh, picnic, if you will. Um, and it's very um, intimate in that uh, they're just like children, and so they, 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 they are taking the food that has been brought from home and they're taking things from the forest as well and adding that and tasting them. And, 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 and one coward is taking and putting in his mouth, and says, this is really good, and takes it out of his mouth and says, you try it, Krishna. See, we don't do that here on the altar. <laughs> hmm? But that's the, ad, the love we're advocating. A fellow asked me the other day, well, you're advocating that kind of love, but we don't see you doing that here with the, with the deity. I said, well, yeah, there's a way to go there. Hmm? You do that in a siddha rupa. Now you have a sadhaka rupa. When you use your sadhaka rupa properly, you'll get a siddha rupa. Sadhaka rupa means, rupa means form or body. So we have a body, a practitioner's body. We should conduct ourselves in our partic- pra- practitioner's body in a particular way hmm? that will foster and give rise to an internal meditative form to participate in the lila that does transcend physical limitations and so forth. Hmm? So we go to a meditative form, and this lila is a subjective reality. It's a meditative reality brought on by the influence of bhakti, which is a particular you know, shakti of Bhagwan. Hmm? So it has power to create worlds, if you will, of experience where the limitations in the physical realm are not uh, present. So we can't kind of go there in the sadhaka day. We have a certain way of conducting ourselves as sadhakas. We follow, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates and how they conducted themselves. And there's the, they do the things that we do. They chant, they get up in the morning, they practice. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, but he's Krishna in the form of a devotee of himself teaching us how to be uh, a devotee and use our sadhaka day in such a way that a siddha day will, will rise naturally within. And then there'll be an internal culture of that. Hmm? So, uh, so in that body, then you can do those kind of things. In, in, in the intimacy is, is afforded. Hmm? We cannot imitate that. Hmm? So these cowards, they're taking the food and putting it in. This is part of sakyarasa. In sakyarasa, Sometimes the devotees serve Krishna, sometimes Krishna serves the devotees. It's called pranai. Hmm? So they just have no, they sense no difference between their bodies and, and his body. Hmm? Love is so thick. So they're taking the food from their mouth and putting it in his mouth. And he likes this more than the big Vedic offerings. Oh, light the fire and offer some ghee and, uh, and a big ritual by big rishis and uh, and brahmas actually so this is now the central of this whole, central verse of this whole leela here it comes he says what that the whirl of the lotus flower hmm, surrounded by its petals and leaves just like that krishna sat in the center encircled by concentric circles line of 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 of, of friends hmm? all of whom looked very beautiful. Every one of them was trying to look directly at Krishna, and they were all thinking that Krishna was looking directly at them. In this way, they enjoyed their lunch in the forest. Krishna, 
couple of verses really to the center. Krishna is known as Yagyabuk. Yagyabuk. Yagya means sacrifice, the enjoyer of sacrifice. That is, he eats God. The word Krishna here means referring to God. God, who is the enjoyer of sacrifices that are performed by the devotees. Those aren't like, you know, uh, human sacrifices. They are, but they're not in that way. You have to, you know, ultimately, this is the ultimate human sacrifice here. You give up your whole uh, human ego for, for this. But anyway, Krishna, who is the, uh, the, the, the God, who is the enjoyer of sacrifice, eats only the, from yagya, by sacrifice, this is how he eats. You perform a yoga, God eats, something like that. Um, was now sitting with his flute tucked between his, in his waist and his tight cloth on his right side and with a horn, bugle, bu- buffalo horn and stick for herding cows on his left, hmm? holding in his hand, his left hand, some rice and yogurt and, 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 and fruit. Hmm? Uh, with kind of slipping through his fingers and so forth, you can imagine. Uh, there he sat, like the whirl or the center of the lotus hmm? flower, looking forward at all of his friends, joking with them and creating a jubilant laughter among them. In this way, he ate. He actually ate. Hmm? And the, the denizens of heaven were watching in Amazement, as I say, at he who was supposed to eat only by yoga. He was actually eating. Hmm? And eating what they were eating, and eating what they had eaten, partially, and this was blowing their mind. And this is the vision that now Brahma sees this. And he thinks, what is going on here? On Brahma's planet, the Brahma Lok, it's, it's supposed to be a plane of intellect, just like we have a physical plane, a mental plane, and an intellectual plane. Hmm? Some people want to reduce all of that just to the physical, to the brain, and so forth. But we, we see a subtle form of matter besides the gross form of matter like brain and body in a form of mind and intellect. And that mind doesn't exist just between the ears, but there's a whole plane of mind, a mind stuff, a mental world, so to speak. Like you can contact it to some extent by like astral travel or something like that. Uh, and so the possibilities you could, in, in a mental plane are, are immense in comparison to the physical plane. Just like here, I, I'll give an example. If you, were to asked, if you were asked to carry everything in this room out physically, you couldn't do it. But mentally, you could. Hmm? You could memorize everything and take it with you and repeat them all and so forth. So the powers, the possibilities in the realm of mind are much greater than we find in the realm of uh, uh, the physical realm. Prabhupada used to say, well, in this physical realm, we can see gold and we can see a mountain, but don't expect to find a golden mountain, hmm? a mountain made out of gold. But in the mind, you could have a, 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 a golden mountain. And people say, well, but that's just in the mind. But we'll say, well, yeah, but why just? What is mind? Why is, it, why is mind something less? Hmm? That's only a bias, really. Hmm? Because we're coming from the the, the the waking state, we go we go we go into the dream state. You could very well reverse this whole thing. You ever see um, read um, what's that Abbott's book? Flatland, Flatland. 
something like that. Hmm? There's a, a two-dimensional reality, and then they come acquainted with it. There's actually a three-dimensional reality and so forth. So all a matter of perception. You could argue logically, reasonably, even scientifically, just as well that the waking state in relation to the physical world was 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 ephemeral, and the mental dreaming state was was substantial. You could come from the dream state to the mental. You could just reverse the whole thing out. So uh, there's there's only a, there's only a bias due to our attachments to the waking state preoccupation with it. We think that the dreaming state or the mental state is, is somehow less. Hmm? So in the Vedanta, it's, it's not thought of like that. Hmm? And there's a plane of the, the, of the a mental plane. This is the realm of the gods and goddesses. And we hear about them. They sound you know, impossible and so forth. But they're not possible. They are possible in, 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 in mental stuff, if you will. And so there's an intellectual plane. Bur, buva, swa means the physical, the Psychic, uh, mental, and intellectual planes of experience—they play out into real realms. And Brahma is kind of like the the king of the intellectual realm. He's got the four heads and so forth, kind of idea. And there, in Brahma's loka, plane of experience, there's a there's a particular manifestation of God, the Mahavishnu. He's lying down. He has thousands of heads and arms uh, and legs and. Uh, and he does two things, eats and sleeps. He eats and sleeps. He sleeps, he wakes up. They offer these big yagyas, big sacrifices. He eats, goes to sleep. Hmm? He eats the sacrifice, then he sees that it's, that it's distributed and goes to sleep. So that's his experience. And this is like pretty high, intellectual plane, and 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 uh, this Mahavishnu is like the source of the world. This manifestation of divinity, this the source of the world. He's involved in the Shristi Lila, the Lila of manifesting the world cycles and bringing them back within him, and so forth. And, and uh, so Brahma's attending to this Mahavishnu. He's called Yagya. Hmm? He's Yagya Book. He's the enjoyer of sacrifice. That's how they know him. He enjoys sacrifice. That's all we know about him. He wakes up. We offer sacrifices. He takes rest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty far out. And, and worlds come out of him. We come out. We're part of his dream. We're living in God's dream. And, uh, and this, is, this is the extent to which we know about him. Now, Brahma said at the dawn of creation, went into meditation to try to understand his source. Hmm? And, and, and Narayan appeared before him. And then, then the face of Krishna was shown, dressed like as a cowherd, but he was in his Gyan Mudra giving a blessing, and he spoke four verses, which is the essence of this whole 18,000 book uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, essence of the Upanishads and everything. Very, uh, he spoke very wisely and gave him, a, gave him some, some visions hmm, of something more and gave him a prospect for attaining something more. But meanwhile, he's been preoccupied for, you know, in his own realm in relation to this, this particular form of God. And now Krishna, what's happening here, among other things, is Krishna's bringing this Brahma into this Leela that he could see his prospect for becoming like a member, a player in this Sakyarasa, in, in friendship, with, with, in intimacy with Krishna. And so he sees Krishna 
it kind of looks like Narayan and, and or like the Krishna he saw at the time he was initiated by Krishna, but he's acting very differently. His hand isn't like this giving a blessing. His hand is like this. Usually they in India, in the Hindu culture, they eat, eat, the Brahminical culture, they eat with the right hand. Use the left hand for cleaning and the right hand for eating. So it's a th- thought uncivilized to eat with the left hand. I guess unless you're left-handed, then you would do it the other way around would be the idea. But um, there's Krishna eating with his left hand. Or he's not eating with his left hand, but he, he's eating with his right hand, out of his left hand. That's like, what? You know, no, you're supposed to eat with the right hand and not with the left hand. Not that, that, that you pick it up with the left hand and then you eat. <laughs> so, you know, children will be children is the idea. He's in the, in young, and so... And Brahma's seeing this, and, 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 and he's used to, this is the way we worship God. You perform these huge sacrifices, like they do in Brahmaloka. All these people are involved, the Purusha Shuktas cited, all these Sanskrit mantras. And here's Krishna eating, and, eat, and, and the offering is, the, here, pal, you eat this. You know? Here, try this, buddy. You know? Where's the Vedic mantras that accompany it, and all the symbolic language, and and there's no sacrifice going on here. It appears. Hmm? How, is this an imposter? Hmm? Is this is this is this my 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 guru, who came before my God, or is this an imposter? He's acting very differently. He's completely. This is what he's really bewildered by. Krishna will show now some ex- extraordinary power which he's also bewildered by, but this is most bewildering to him, and it's his own prospect, what he can, that he could have such intimacy with, uh, with, uh, with the Absolute, that, 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 that this is this by initiation in that lineage, that, and through that mantra, the Gopal mantra, this, this opportunity has, has come before him, so he's getting a first-hand experience, that he's getting a glimpse into, you could have a Siddharupa. Hmm. And, and, and be engaged in these types of leelas with Krishna. And it's extremely, um, for him, it's just absolutely like he cannot fathom it. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to him. His experience is so different. He sees a cer- he's used to a certain face of God. And this, this appears to be, there's no sacrifice at all in God's eating, more than he eats when we offer the sacrifice. He kind of eats symbolically. Hmm? Now he's actually eating, and there's no sacrifice. But if we really get to the bottom of this, of course, philosophically and theologically, we see, oh, these cowherds, <laughs> you don't know what sacrifice they've undergone to, to arrive at this position. Hmm? It is super extraordinary how they can arrive at such intimacy. And that sakurasa in itself is, is a form of sacrifice that, that in as much as Love is born out of sacrifice. So from the sacrificing of a devotional life like we are involved in here, hmm? we sacrifice our time to come here. And some of you come at great distances to spend some days here. It doesn't go unnoticed by, you know, by Bhagwan. You used your time, your money for this. You made sacrifice. And then you, you, some of you make vows to practice and so forth. And and so on. So this is a sacrificing life. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exemplified a life of sacrifice and giving and, uh, and, and so, so forth. Hmm? And so it was stated earlier by Sukadev when he was narrating this to the king, he said, I, I, I myself am, am just 
blown away by these people, this kind of Leela and these persons who are participating in it, what they must have done for millions and millions of lifetimes to arrive at this position. I cannot fathom it. It's ex- super extraordinary. Hmm? This is what has come before, this prospect come before us by the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he made it easy for that matter. Very generous about it. You'll go there shortly. Hmm? So, so this is all very, it is very mind-blowing to Brahma. Um, uh, he, on its face, the Sakyaras looks like they're just enjoying. And indeed, they're not even serving God. God's serving them half the time. He's taking from his mouth and eating and tasting and, and so forth. But this is a face of love. So this is the love that is born out of sacrifice. It takes the shape. Hmm? You understand? It takes a shape. And Krishna takes pleasure in having friends. Because Krishna takes pleasure in having friends and you aspire to become a friend of Krishna, and you've gone through all the steps that that requires, taking all the unfriendly things out of your heart. Hmm? Thus, this is in the beginning, emptying the heart out of all the unfriendliness in you. And then this is a particular, as I say, kind of sentiment, cultivated, and and you entered into that. And the whole sentiment is pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? So everything they do is completely pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? It's all Sakya Rasa. Hmm? And so Brahma's getting first-hand experience about this, and as I say, he's completely bewildered. He doesn't understand. Is this... I saw a flash of Krishna at the time of my initiation. Ryan appeared as Krishna, dressed as a gopa, blessing, and he gave me these verses. He said, you become my friend. I offer you that opportunity. All of that meant at the time... Hmm? Brahma could not grasp. Just like we come in here, we can't grasp everything. We get initiated, we can't grasp everything that's going on. We're given a mantra, chant this mantra, okay, yeah. memorize it and I chant it. Now the, the, the fruit of all this is coming to bear and it is, and it will happen to you, it's mind-blowing. This is happening, such a, such a possibility. And, I, and I'm coming in the vicinity of that. And you know, all it, 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 this, this is what happened to me at that time. I'll go back to that time, and I got the mantra from my Guru Dave, and all these possibilities were found in that. Nama Shrestam Apisati Putram Matra Swarupam Tasyad Rajatam. Raghunath Das gave a nice verse, devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What does it mean to understand our Guru? He said, Nama Shrestam Apisati Putram Matra Swarupam. From Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? who's my Siksha Guru, he said, I got the highest conception of the name of Krishna, hmm? leading me, the, 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 in other words, that conceptual orientation behind the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra that brings me to this kind of love that we're talking about here, Gopi's love or the cowherd's love for Krishna. Nama Shrestam, Apisachi Putram, the son of Sachi, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was giving that kind of idea of the Krishna mantra, Hare Krishna mantra. I've come in touch with that. Hmm? By the grace of my guru, I've come in touch with the highest conception of the name. I've come in touch with Rupa Goswami, his teachings about rasa. Sanatan Prabhu Goswami's teachings about sambandha. Uh, the intimacy of, that Srupa Damodar had with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and what, what that was about. I've come in touch with Govardhan, the Jamuna, all these eternal paraphernalia that's part of the leela and so forth. And uh, I'm feeling 
blessed. Sri Dajmar Maharaj used to say, when we come in touch with all of these things, then we can say, I've understood what my guru was teaching. When I come practically in touch with all these things, when, the, when the, all these things come out of that mantra, it has to come from someone who has some experience, that kind of mantra, a live mantra. Hmm? Brahma's now, he's been chanting his mantra, now Krishna is, is, is gracing him with this experience of the Leela that gives him a clear focus on his prospect, and he's just overwhelmed by it. Oh, and he, he even doubts it. Hmm? Is that and, and so he can't? There's two sides to our guru. One side is sakshadharitvena samasta shastra. The scriptures say, guru is representing God, so it should be treated like, like, like God in a representational sense. That I think I should pay attention here. Hmm? Uh, God is not coming to me in a way, in any way more precisely and particularly than this tailor fit way as a guru to instruct me and. And, and personify the teachings in such a way that I have a model to look at and, and a role model and so forth. So that is the one side. Yeah. The other side, that he is guru, in a rep- God in a representational sense, but he's also a devotee of God internally. He has his own sentiments, devotion and love for God, his own ecstasy, his Krishnanandaya. Hmm? And so gradually we come in touch with that. Brahma's now coming in touch with that, the Krishna Nandaya. Hmm? The ecstasy, his guru was Krishna. Uh, so the ecstasy of Krishna in the Vrindavan Leela. And this is a particular ecstasy in Sakyaras. He's becoming acquainted with this. And he's, he's saying, wow, he looks different there. He's not carrying a stick like this. He's got a different kind of stick. He's got a horn and a and flute and... Uh, <laughs> And, and so on and so forth. So our guru has an internal life, a siddharupa, hmm? that kind of form, hmm? a bhavadeha. So we come in touch with that in due course as well. We, following along in that group, this is the general course. Hmm? So Brahma's becoming acquainted with this, and it's very uh, staggering to him, very extraordinary. And so he has some doubt about it. Hmm? So he thinks... He's going to test his guru. Hmm? He's going to test if this guy's for real or not. Not the best idea. Uh, so he, so he, he invokes his own power, hmm? Brahma's power, which is a material power but extraordinary power. And he thought, I will take, I will cause, uh, as the, as the calves wander a little bit, I'll capture the calves by my power and put them in this cave. And then when Krishna goes to look for the calves, hmm, I'll capture all the cowherd boys and put them in the cave. Hmm? And then see what he does. There are different ways to looking at that. Krishna's way of looking at it was he's completely absorbed in the leela. The cows start, the calves start to wander off the cowards now become an anxiety because their whole thing is we've got to take care of the cows, hmm? take care of the calves, and if they get lost, we lose our job. You know, we won't, we won't, we won't be, get promoted to being cowherders and, and and so forth. So they can't continue their lunch, and and Krishna says, no, no, eat your lunch. I'll get them. I'll I'll get them. So he goes and looks everywhere for them. He's absorbed in this playful leela, and then 
he can't find them anywhere, and his omniscience comes. He goes, oh, that Brahma. Hmm? This is Brahma's idea. Hmm? He you can understand. Hmm? Even, really, even before that, even, his omniscience comes. Even as Brahma, as Brahma starts to think, I will steal the calves, Krishna's omniscience comes. And he says, the hell you will. Hmm? Who do you think you are? What is your power? You think you have any power over these cowherds? You have no idea what they what they're about. Hmm? You're living in Brahmaloka, you're a big guy, people think you're important. These people are my life and soul. What they've done to arrive here, what kind of love of God they they have, it's so extraordinary that they and I are like we are on the same page, same sentence, in the same parentheses. We 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 we, we you, it, they have a power that, that makes your power look insignificant. They are embodiments of my srup shakti, my, of, of bhakti, in, in sakyarasa. They are your ideal, you fool. You think that you, by your material power, and Brahma's got a lot of material power, so that you can have any influence over that? No way. But anyway, that's what you want to do. So he manifested, he, he caused his own cowherds and calves to somehow mystically disappear enter into himself. He manifested, manifested false cowherds and false calves, and Brahma stole those. Hmm? And then Krishna, in his omniscience, creates this, and then he goes back and, and, and he sees the cows, then he falls back into his, 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 his play, and he sees the cowherds cowherd, are gone after he couldn't find the calves. And so then, it, moving away from his his, 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 his omniscience and thinking about his, his friends and the calves. He gets fully absorbed in that and he goes, what am I going to do? There's no, how can I go home without the cows and the, cow, and the cowherds? This is impossible. I've, I've got to do something about it. Huh? Where have they gone? What can I do? And so he's very crafty. So he says, well, I've got to do something. It's time to go. I haven't got any time left. So he just manifests himself as replicas of all the cow calves and all the cowherds. He, in other words, he, and, the, and this, Brahma learns this, that he knew them so well, means he loved them so well, that he could manifest, him, expand himself into forms that were replicas of all the calves and all the cowherd boys and go home with them and their mothers and fathers and, their, and the cows would not recognize that they weren't their own calves and their own children. I mean, you got to know somebody pretty well to do that. Hmm? He knew them in a loving sense. He knew their hearts. Hmm? And he could perfectly, perfectly rep- re- uh, represent them. The only thing that, was, that the parents experienced that was slightly different was that they loved him more. They loved their sons more. The cows loved the calves that much more. Hmm? This, they are all in vatsalya. The cows are in motherly love for Krishna. The older elders in the Leela are, are in parental love for Krishna, not the friendly love. Hmm? This is another form of the Sambandha Rupa Bhakti showcased here in this Leela, that this is, this is a, a, an entry point for these types of love. By reading about this, in other words, in due course, in a Siddha Rupa and meditating on it, one actually enters into these things, these Leelas. Hmm? So this is a beautiful entry point for those in Vatsali Rasa because they, for, for, the, for the 
for some time they have Krishna directly as their son, or they have him indirectly as their son otherwise. Hmm? So, uh, this is very extraordinary, and it goes on, the Leela continues, it goes on for a year. Prikshit Mars asked Sukadev why this wasn't told for one year. Hmm? And so the answer comes, of course, because what happened was, Brahma did this, or thought he did it, hmm? and then he returned to his own abode, hmm? and then to check on things there, because hmm? he's the big lord there of everything, and then he went back. But there's a time difference, relative worlds, just like some insects live for a day of our life. Hmm? Our life is like unfathomable for them. So a moment of, of, of our time is a long period of time for them. So in our plane, the idea is that one of our days, one of our years, is like a moment for Brahma only. Hmm? Relative worlds. So his moment was one year on earth. So the pastime was not explained by the cowherds for one year. Because after one year it was completed because Brahma came back hmm? and he saw what was going on and, and he thought, I thought I put all those boys in a cave and all those calves in a cave, but they're still there. Not only that, but when he returned to Brahma Loki, he wasn't allowed back in. How is that? Because Krishna and his omniscience went to Brahma Loka, appeared like Brahma and told everybody, watch out, there's, a, there's an impersonation of Brahma going on and he might come any time. Don't let him in. Brahma came back within a moment and everybody said, get out of here, you imposter. Hmm? So what the heck's going on? And so he goes back to, to the earth and, and, and there he sees. And what happened? I thought I... He goes to check in the, in the cave. They're still in the cave. But they're, they're, they're at their homes. They're going on like nothing happened. Went back to the cave. He says, what's happening? Is Krishna moving them each time? I, I go there and he moves them there and then I go back to the cave and he moves them there. And how's this? He's trying to materially calculate how Krishna's doing this and so forth. And at, at a certain point he realizes uh, my calculations are not working here. This is, this, my powers are absolutely useless here. This, I, I made a big mistake here, he's thinking. This is, this, my guru is very extraordinary. Hmm? Uh, very extraordinary. This is, this is him. He was there in one form, giving me the blessing and the mantras and so forth. And now he's showing the fruition of the mantra and how he appears in, 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 that, in that plane and giving me acquaintance out of his grace. And I doubted him. Oh, my goodness. Humbled as he is like this. Um, now Krishna is going to show him something very overtly extraordinary that will humble him further and establish the philosophical, one of the key philosophical points of the Leela, that Krishna is the fountainhead of all forms of divinity. So this is a little bit further along. We've gone with stuff there. Any questions? Okay. Questions in the evening? Okay. You won't be here this evening? Okay. I wanted to ask, so the, uh, the original powered boys... Uh, they were not manifestation of Krishna's internal potency. They were um, the liberated souls, the jivas, the one that got hidden. Uh, and then Krishna. Right. The ones that got hidden were illusory, for Brahma's sake. Because because the philosophy is, 
that any material power cannot have an influence over the Sarup Shakti. Do you understand? You follow me? Well, Brahma has some material power. So how could he kidnap the cowherds and put them in a, into a sleep and so on and so forth? No. It's the same point is raised by, by um, Parikshit Mar- or Yudhisthira. When Yudhisthira heard in the seventh canto that, that the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, hmm, they had taken birth in, the, in this world um, as demons, he said, he, he said, I cannot believe that. He said, I cannot believe that anybody from Vaikuntha could fall from Vaikuntha because they have bodies made of, constituted of the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? This has the power not only to dispel Maya, but to overwhelm Krishna. It's how, how, he said, by some Brahmin's curse, it would be possible for them to fall down from there. Hmm? Now, a Brahmin's curse is very powerful. Hmm? So the Kumaras, they gave a curse. He's saying, not even by the curse of a, of a sage, a realized sage, could someone fall from Vaikuntha. He's emphasizing the point. That is absolutely impossible. He says, I find it totally unbelievable. It's not possible. Why? Because they have bodies constituted of Surup Shakti. So it means that Bhakti has the power to dispel the illusion of of Maya Shakti and, as I say, beyond that, to overwhelm Krishna hmm? and make for a, 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 a relationship of love. So these cowards are in that kind of relationship to the extreme. Hmm? So how could Brahma have influence over them? Therefore, what he wanted to do, Krishna could understand, and he created separate forms, similar material forms that he took and and put to sleep. The the actual cowherds somehow came back into Krishna, and Krishna manifest, hmm, it's mystical, but uh, himself as all the cowherds, something like that. Like a Sita Ravana, yeah, that example is given. Ravana tried to steal Sita, but he didn't really capture Sita. That's not possible. So a Mayak form of Sita was, was manifest for the purpose. But Krishna couldn't manifest a Mayak form of the cowherds that wouldn't satisfy the, their, their, their parents or the, or the cows. Hmm? So, uh, but he couldn't have the real ones there either. That would, that would be, uh, uh, I guess he perceived that would be a an issue as well, so he wanted, he wanted to show Brahma who he was, so he manifested all the cowherds. Then he'll show himself to be all the cowherds and, and universes coming from him and so on and so forth. We'll get to that. Anything else? Okay, so we'll meet this evening, discuss further. Skrantaraj, Srimad Bhagavata Ki Jai. Si Brahmami Mohan Ki Jai. Si Janmastivim Hotsapa Ki Jai.